Hey, gang. Welcome. Brand new episode coming at you. I am your host, your buddy, your pal, your sometimes lover, Steve Bazalone. And this is, of course, the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Today, we have a great guest. It's the very talented uh, writer, director, actor, Mr. Alex Ross Perry. What can I tell you about him? Um, well, I can tell you, man, he, he all of his work, I think, is very provocative and very interesting, and he's a very talented fellow. Uh, I first saw his movie, The Color Wheel, is uh, about six years ago, six, seven years ago, and uh, after I saw it, couldn't stop thinking about it for about a week, and most of his work is like that. It's very provocative. Um, he also did Listen Up, Philip with Jason Schwartzman and Elizabeth Moss, which is great. He also did Queen of Earth, also with Elizabeth Moss. His uh, latest movie, Golden Exits, is uh, great. You should check it out. Also, he wrote the Christopher Robin movie. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh. He's a multifaceted, very talented guy. He's also in the Jeff Baina movie, Joshi, um, which you've, if you've not seen that, check that out because he's great in it and everybody else is great in it. Uh, he's just a multifaceted, talented fellow. So we're going to talk to him today about a lot of stuff, uh, mostly about what's like to be, you know, adolescent and embarrassed by your peers. Ugh, fun stuff. And how uh, that embarrassment, you know, later on in your career turns into uh, fuel for your fire to work harder and uh, be more successful. All very universal stuff. Maybe sometimes stuff you don't want to talk about, but universal nonetheless. Uh, so we're going to get to that in just one second. But before we do, it's time to eat your veggies. Here it is, gang. I'm going to I'm gonna hawk my goods and say, hey, do you like this podcast? Do you? Was that pathetic enough? Do you like me? Um, if you do, though, uh, tweet about us. Tell your friends. Go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Those things help us. You can also check us out on Instagram. It's Terribly Funny Podcast. Give us a follow. You'll see uh, pictures of our very attractive guests and sometimes of my dog. Who doesn't love that kind of shit? Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter. It's terribly underscore funny. Tweet at us, follow us, tell your friends. I've already said that. This is getting desperate, isn't it? Well, we're going to wrap it up and just say, hey, also, if you want to email us, which I genuinely love hearing from you. I love having a dialogue with you guys. You can check us out at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail, and I will definitely get back to you. It might take me a hot minute, but I'll get back to you because I love hearing from you. Um, that's it. I'm done with that part. Now let's get to the good stuff. And the good stuff is, of course, Mr. Alex Ross Perry. Theme music, please. And we put each other into the deep end, but there is only one Six of you. Okay. So one in one. Yeah, you're like a ten percent. Yeah, right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I these two ridiculous. I mean, these. You know, you, you seem to just like people to tell stories. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know organic conversation, but yeah, yeah I mean, sure. Get I mean, it's not organic to be like just be quiet while I tell you this long sad story about myself. <laughs> um, but so like as a preface and I'll, I'll try to remember I don't remember exactly when this one story happened but like I was a pretty fat kid yeah that's which is also interesting because you're a tall very skinny person yeah well I was ultimately I mean I don't know if I was the same height at my fattest but I was always tall so therefore like just huge right wow. and um, up until I was like 16 so you know like chubby from like 10 to like you know adolescence yeah um and at some point, like, not, you know, early in this, like, I want to say, like, summer between 6th and 7th grade, mm -hmm. checks out, roughly, I was at a sleepaway camp that I went to for a couple of years, and I had, you know, like, a camp girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Sure, and, as you do. Yeah, for people listening, I just put up little yeah. air, air quotation marks. <laughs> um, and, you know, things had gone fine, whatever, you yeah. know, some, like, uh, smooching around camp that's what you want from a camp whatever and uh, there was like this final lunch before she was getting picked up because I was staying for like the next session and she lived not far from me or you know there was like some vague plan of sure you know being touch and this I, is you're just getting pen pals yeah well like close enough that like we could have met somewhere communally right, like, right. easily um, I'm from Philadelphia to give geographic sure. context to this the camp was in Maryland and um, you know I always liked doing really annoying things as, as a teenager just like being annoying and stupid and like you know being really loud and I was carrying to the table uh, at whatever this final lunch was mm -hmm. like the entire cutlery and flatware for the whole so 12 plates 12 bowls 12 sure. cups 12 forks 12 spoons and 12 knives and I was carrying this huge pile uh, just to show off uh -huh. and I dropped the entire thing on like a concrete mess hall floor okay. making just like a absurd cacophonous noise right. 
that everyone stopped and looked, and it was obviously deeply horrifying. And whatever, sit down, the meal goes on, and she leaves, and it's really sad for me. And then, like, a, a week later, someone's like, when you drop that, um, she turned to the entire table and was like, I cannot wait to get away from this guy. Oh, no. And I didn't find this out until I'd been, like, really, like, pining for her for a week. Again, I'm, like, either 12 or 11. My birthday's in the summer, so it's one or the other. And um, I was like, uh-huh. probably already, like, written her a letter or two. And was oh, like, sure. I, and, you know, I think, I, and I was like, oh, okay. That's, oh, it's a way, but the way the rest of probably the way the rest of my life will, will feel. Did you ever get like any? Did you ever get to the bot? Did she ever respond at all? I don't think I ever heard from her again. Yeah, was that like? Did you feel like that was just like? Well, this is only exists in this like. This is just a compartmentalized relationship. I wanted to do some some smooching, did it, and now I'm getting the fuck out. I guess so, but it was more like, oh, I guess that's the way people actually see me, and that's the way people talk about me when I go into the other room to get the silverware again. Um, yeah, but like she was, think, she was interested clearly for a while, like weeks earlier. Oh, and that was done. I mean, not really, but I guess she's like, I'll just wait this out. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, got you know five days left. I can just sort. There's of, an expiration date. Yeah, I, I can deal with this for a couple of days, which is gosh. a pretty mature thing for a twelve year old girl to yeah say or feel. But uh, apparently, this uh, this one did it. Oh, Jesus. Um, and you found out, were you, were you like, I mean, I, granted, you're just like a, a pup at this point, so you don't have like total emotional maturity, but like, were you just like I don't, totally heartbroken? I mean, I was just bummed. Yeah. Just because I'd really been missing her. And I had also, by that point, I mean, you know, as like a teenager, you're on the one hand deeply uh, buying into whatever idea of romance sitcoms have sold you. Sure. Where this is like something very nice. And on the other hand, I, I was like, but now I've missed my chance to like start something with a girl this yeah this term whatever the camp periods are called you know this session session two I was like because now I've been telling all these people about this, uh, this girl yes. and everyone's already sort of paired off now um, and I've like missed that chance so now, you, I'm man. Just, now I'm just going to have nothing for the rest of this this session how long was that? Um, like I think each session was two weeks so I was there for a month okay. so this first thing I mean I, it could be it could be that each one was four weeks it could have right. been I don't remember exactly but you know like Somewhere between four and six weeks, probably. Well, but like that in like 11 and 12 year old time is like years. Yeah. Because like everything is magnified. Like a two days is like, God, that could be, you can have Especially epic romance. camp where there's no structure and there's mm-hmm. no supervision really. Um, and you know, it's like kind of easy and allowed to sneak off and just whatever, lay in a field or something, and watch fireflies. I, you know, I never had that like traditional experience. I went to like a summer camp, two, or a summer camp, a swim camp two hmm. years in a row. And it was like, went to like a small college, a decent, because I swam when I was from like six to like 14. Mm-hmm. And it was like cool, but it was a week of just, you swam all day. Yeah. And it was fun, but it was like, this is, fun. this is not, this is hard. Way too much swimming. Yeah. So I didn't this was like, like a very traditional, flowing. yeah, this was like a pretty traditional, you know, camp, archery, canoeing. Sounds uh, great. All that stuff. Yeah. Which I guess is like, even you're from Pittsburgh, I guess that, this kind of a camp is even more of an East Coast thing. Yeah. Like, it's a coast-coast Yeah, yeah, uh, You know, like, deep in Friday the 13th. Yeah. Wet Hot American Summer Meatball Slasher. Land. Yeah. Like, uh, to me, those camps were everywhere. But this was one. Uh, so that, 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 that was the thing that I, I also somehow suppressed this and remembered it, you know, 10 years ago. Well, did that, like, that's interesting. Like, did you suppress it? But, like, just, well, by which I mean I forgot it. Yeah, of course. Did you, did you, did that, like, do you feel like that informed you moving forward? Were you, like, gun-shy? Or you're like, well, people are talking about me every time I leave the room, like the way you just said. I don't know. Uh, but I also was, like, one of the first of my friends to get a girl to kiss you. So, like, on the one hand, I had that. I, sure. like, I could go back to school with that in my pocket. I mean, um, that's a pretty big win. Yeah, I was, like, old. you know, in, like, probably the first 20% of people of my group. You're a god at that point. I mean, unfortunately, not quite. But <laughs> yeah, I was at least getting a little head start on most of my friends. Yeah. Um, so I remember that a couple of years ago. I also remember this other thing. This, again, this probably was closer to being blocked out. Um, and this, is, this took place on the last day of eighth grade. Okay. So like, let's say June 10th, 1998. Sure. Like thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And I only specifically remember that day because, and that's not the 10th, but it's roughly that, that like two days before the last day of eighth grade, I saw the Beastie Boys for the first time. 
And I remember that concert was like before the 10th of June because I remember it was like a single digit day that I saw the Beastie Boys. Oh, wow. Like it was like 6, 7 or 6, 8 sure. or something. So I was able to remember it. So this is like, you know, a couple of days later. And at this point, I'm like a good, I'm like, I mean, I just look terrible. Like I'm just like a fat, stupid looking sure. kid. Did you have super long hair? No, I had I bleached hair. Oh, yeah, well, that's the time for that, too. Yeah. yeah. It was such a, like, an obvious thing. 98, I think I had bleach hair, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, there's no other option. Well, uh, but your hair is already kind of light. Like, it's light. It must have just looked, like, very white. No, mine was just, well, mine was like, it, 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 I didn't do a great job, so it was like yellow. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like $10 yellow. It gets yellow, yellow. Yeah. after a little bit. It doesn't start off yellow. Well, but it's like, I think, like, that's, that's like, yeah, it was the time to do it because, you know, you grew up seeing, like, skater culture and like Drew Barrymore and anybody else that you know, kind of but like also but it's like you had so little things to de- define yourself yeah like your shoes and your hair that's basically all you had because you can even buy your own clothes yeah you got those simples on your feet yeah and your bleached hair that's all and uh, like a nice nice pair of Jankos maybe yeah a nice pair of Jankos and maybe like I used to wear my dad's suits and he was I, he was so much bigger than me they were enormous but I was like yeah I'm suit guy see my thing was more hat. Going to the cheapest restaurant in town and getting like a five dollar suit. Yeah, I mean like, these are like the ones he never wore. Right, like they were like from the seventies. Like yeah, I'm yeah, wearing seventy like, suits. That's terrible. Like, but th- that that this, my, that stuff came later. But anyway, last day of eighth grade, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at this. I was not popular in with the popular kids, but I was funny enough that some of them liked me. Right, like funny jocks liked me even though I was not one of them. Right. So I got to hang out with cool kids sometimes. Um, and also like coming out of seventh grade where there's a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs. Sure. Even like the divide between cool and me is not vast. A lot of these people you've known since first grade. Yeah. So the ones who have become cool are still kind of your friends. For and you sure. still see people a lot and the bar mitzvahs gives you this kind of social context. So by eighth grade like it's you know those divides really comes in in high school right uh yeah because you came up in the same way like i remember this one kid who was very popular when i was like in eighth grade but i remember like in in third grade we were taking a spelling test and he farted really loud nice and it was just like you know you just spend all these time with these people and like oh yeah you're super popular but you were like i know the couple of bats you've got in your closet yeah um so yeah so i could like you know not reliably be where cool kids were and where, you know, there would have been, like, cans of Michelob Ultra. Sure. And that sort of a fun party, but I could, like, get into one sometimes. Right. Um, So I was at this, like, end of eighth grade party and people were hanging out. It was this girl's super huge, really rich house, one of the first houses in my township that publicly had, like, a million-dollar price tag. So big. Big house, bunch of girls, bunch of guys... Everyone was watching a movie, which I'll reveal in a minute because it's become a very emotionally important part of my life, which is how I eventually remembered this story. And I, I don't belong in this room at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people I know, but you know, just because everybody knows everybody at this point. Right. And the movie's being watched, and there's a character in the movie. Uh, of course, when I say it, everyone will know who it is. Um, who is so the comic relief in a sort of ridiculous way and someone was like this guy is so gross and someone said yeah he's fat blonde and ugly and then this girl named Susie Buck said just like Alex Perry oh, no. and I remember I was like standing up to like do something and I just like dropped to the ground and thought that if I laid really flat like people wouldn't remember that I was in the room but I think enough people did because it got like really tense but obviously uh. she was probably used to you know slipping a fun joke about me out there and uh, the movie's Boogie Nights which later became my favorite uh, film with sure. the character Scotty J yeah and you know after like a subsequent 15 years of seeing Boogie Nights untold times at some point I just remembered this oh god um like you know the 17th time I saw it on 35 in the theater at the age of you know 26 after yeah. just seeing it every time it played for 10 years I was like oh I remember when Susie Buck said that thing during this movie 
that I was having my mind blown by. And the experience of watching Boogie Nights for the first time is obviously religious. Yeah. Because I was just like, what? And this is the first time you'd seen it. Yeah, well, this is 1998, so right, it right, probably just right. come out on video. Right. And of course, no one would have been able to see it in the theater because parents were hearing it was this porn movie, So, yeah. and also we were 13. So it must have just been out on video about June of 98 if it was like a fall 97 release. And um, yeah, I was just loving the movie. And I remember watching it. I can picture the basement, but I also remember uh, this other thing where someone, in this case, I was in the room, but they obviously thought I wasn't, was just like, here's a great way to uh, be shitty about this person that we don't like. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it, it's odd that the movie that meant, went on to mean so much to me and that I only later remembered this bizarre moment of... Uh, you know, like end of eighth grade trauma. The odd thing is that the rest of this night went really well and I became really good friends with people at this party that I remained friends with for a really long time. Oh, wow. Like, you know, all the girls went upstairs to sleep and all the guys had the basement and mm-hmm. it was just like an endless night of mischief. Sure. I remember that stuff. So it didn't, I didn't like go home. Even I, I could have walked home, but like, uh, for whatever reason, I stuck it out. But I just remember the Scotty J moment, uh, pretty clearly and I thought like, when you asked me to do this I was like well that's the kind of story that you obviously look for I mean kind <laughs> of but well, okay so I mean sometimes you, you you seem to want things that are a little sadder whereas these are just humiliating and, yes. and stupid I but. think that's really the, the meat and potatoes but like I'm open to anything but what uh what was the fallout? Like, you laid there, were you just, like, waiting, like, if I play possum long enough? Did anybody probably, say anything eventually? No. I they probably just, just sat there until the end of the movie. Uh, um, did you get that, like, even just hearing that, hearing that story, like, I, whenever, like, those kinds of things happen, like, my, like, you get, like, the tingle, like, the yeah. kind of sh- cold shiver in your body? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I did anything. I mean, what, what, I had no power to do anything. Yeah. I didn't belong there. I was, like, probably just invited because one of my friends was invited. And it's somehow, if you like leave at that point, then you exacerbate it. And yeah. You kind of make it worse. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure I did nothing. I'm sure I just went back to enjoying Boogie Nights, not knowing that eventually this would be one of the most important movies in my life. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's also interesting that you like made a lot of friends that night. I wonder like how much of that like, well, is a couple, but just, yeah. I wonder how much like that divide. Like, ah, oh, fuck that. Would, that sucked and he was right there yeah, you know this what guy's all right. I'm going to give this guy a chance I think like you know we've always kind of liked him yeah I don't know I mean it just sort of happened but again like my memories of that summer are really just wearing this shirt I bought at the Beastie Boys concert and doing nothing sure. um, but that sort of like on the outside of the inside perspective continued into high school as I became more and more uncool but continued to have these sort of old relationships with like cool fun jocks yeah who I didn't really relate to but they always liked me and yeah. knew that I could be the guy who comes in and quotes last night Simpsons pretty perfectly right. or whatever just can regurgitate things and make people laugh so that was really all I had to go on at that time uh, until I got into you know important things like, yeah you know like uh, heavy metal and making making videos sure. did you end up like you said like kind of like blocked it out to some degree did you end up like having like feeling like a kinship like uh, subconsciously with like those yeah I mean probably yeah I mean you know unfortunately you know you can debate uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder but I certainly was fat and blonde sure Uh, not as big as Philip Seymour Hoffman but I was like a chubby 13 year old so she she had it mostly spot on but you don't have to you know say that or whatever but if you're this girl you do she was like a notoriously cruel human and was like one of the least attractive popular girls and obviously sure. knew it. That's why she was lashing out probably. Yeah, she yeah. was like the least attractive and meanest of that girl group of like whatever the you know popular athletic girls right. were. And everyone knew that she was uh, like a total cruel person. She was like living first day of prison every day. Yeah. Like I just sure. have to take out the easiest and the biggest targets. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, I feel like in... Uh, She's also, if I recall correctly, like the youngest of six children. Oh. Something, there's something like that. She had like a huge family and uh, like obviously a depressing life. And because of the size of her family, she'd never been on an airplane. Like it was just all these oh, weird wow. She's just like obviously a tragic figure. Um, That's so interesting. Who I have no pity for. Yeah, well... Then might, or now. Yeah, why should you? <laughs> she just took you, just knocked you in the teeth. Yeah. Um, do you feel like I feel like there's always especially like in Color Wheel and to some degree like listen to Phil there's like always like a little bit of outsider awkwardness is that like a lot of that was formed 
in like that in that period, or is that just like this is just my vantage point? This is just the narrative I find interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's certainly the only thing I relate to when I see something. Right. Uh, yeah, because it's your pers- it was your perspective from that period, right? Yeah. I mean, I also was unpopular at NYU. Like, right. I had again, like is I had. That, can you quantify that then, though? Yeah, because I have four friends, and mm-hmm. no one likes any of us except for ourselves. Okay. Like that's yeah, how that's you can quantify yeah. it. If your experience to me and like. The high school, college is like, I had these four friends. We were in all of our classes together. We ate lunch together every day. We watched movies together every Friday and Saturday night. Right. And then we went to class where everyone else was friends. Like 10, 15 person friend groups. And then me and my three friends. Like that was high school and that was college. Um, where just like there was these bigger groups. And NYU, we called these idiots the hockey team. Uh-huh. So it was all these like bro-y right. film guys. We were just like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, you don't fit here. Yeah, but they, in fact, they do. In fact, they were the status quo. We were the, we were the assholes. That seems so weird. I didn't. I mean, I went to a similar-ish school, but like, I feel like Emerson was specifically like, oh yeah, the the kid with the green hair is like, like he's probably stands out and liked more. Yeah, I almost went to Emerson yeah. kind of because of that. I really felt like I would have been happy there, and it was ultimately down to them or NYU. Yeah. And I really loved the facility at Emerson, but I just uh, yeah, it's hard to be in New York. Yeah, I just didn't go. I mean, also at that time, really wanted to be in Boston, right? Because I just liked it a lot, and it seemed like a really cool city. It also feels so collegiate. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. Definitively collegiate. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of good music there at the time, and I was really into a lot of Cambridge, you know, like indie. It's like a big Ted Leo time. Sure. uh, Middle East. Yeah. So like, I just liked that whole scene, and I really wanted to be there, but I guess not as much as I wanted to go to uh, New York. Yeah. Did you like being the like even an outsider there to like galvanize your friend group? Did like was that is that the kind of thing like that spurned you on to like I guess work harder for the thing that you're interested in or like just push you more into like well fuck you guys I'm I'm trying to be accessible and I'm getting criticized so I'm gonna just do the things that I like even more like like expedited you finding I don't know what you really are into maybe I mean I just knew it like yeah. I just knew from freshman year of high school that I wanted to just make movies and videos. Mm. And then I knew I wanted to go to film school. And then I got to film school and I knew that I hated these other guys. And then I wanted to just like make my movies that because I actually liked going to see old movies and all these right. dumb assholes in school were in NYU were bringing in like fucking Will Ferrell movies and saying like, this is the kind of thing I want to make. That's crazy. I mean, there's also, sure, there's a market for that because everybody's not everybody can make, you know, abortion movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, like the kind of ghost world thing where right. just like you and this other person are just like, we live in a world of idiots. Right. Uh, like, how can this society be so unwelcoming to something that we so clearly know is superior? Well, yeah. And do, do you feel like now you're what, 10 years out of college? Something like that? Um, I guess 11, yeah. 11. I graduated in 2006. Do you feel like that has uh, abated to some degree? Like that notion? Or do you feel still like it's a little bit like, oh, God, I am just still surrounded a little bit by idiots, but I have the people that I like. No, I'm not surrounded by idiots. They're easy enough to avoid. Yeah. Um, I just surround myself with peers who I respect. Right. And much better off for it. But do you feel like as you get older, like it's less of like, I'm, I'm an outsider. It's just like, no, there's just, I just, it just took longer to find the people, surround myself with the people who are just like me. Maybe. I mean, I didn't feel like an outsider. No. I just felt like there were very few people that I could really do a thing with. Right. Um... Which, which, you know, is fundamentally sad, but also it just means that, like, in college, you don't just decide that the person who lives next door to you in your dorm is your friend. Right. To me, and I saw so many people doing that, including my college girlfriend, and, like, it's just like, but you didn't, like, find this person. You didn't, like, come together. You're just friends because you, like, live down the hall. and you use the laundry room and, like... I mean, these people are fine, and, like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I'll grab a meal with them once in a while, but, like, you really, like, I really just, you need to find, like, the people that's your person right. and your group rather than just being, like, yeah, it's one of my best friends. They live down the hall for me. It's, like, no, like, we have to be able to do everything together. Right. And that was my friends at the time, and, uh, you know, you mentioned, like, a skateboarding thing, which, obviously, I had friends that did that, and, uh, and then, you know, my, like, video club friends, and then in college, like, my arrogant, obnoxious film snob friends right and now just you know my filmmaker friends who in order to be one you know, I just sort of have to respect you it has to be a feeling of just like mutual enjoyment of people's creative right. output for me to even understand how to be friends with a person 
Yeah. Like, the one thing we have in common is, like, I guess we both kind of like the same medium. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter. It's just, like, I respect what you're doing and how you're doing it, so I know how to talk to you. Right. Like, uh, my DP, Sean, said once, like, I don't know what their relationship is to film, so I don't know how to talk to them about some random people. And I was like, that's a good way to look at it. Like, yeah, if if I don't know what, like, what this means to you, not film, but just whatever, like, if I don't know what your thing is, means to you, then I don't know how to talk to you. Hmm. And it's very comforting, but it's also lonely in a way. Sure. We've moved away from these earlier sad stories, but that's really... No, that's fine. It's just into the uh, the next, but it is just like periods of, uh, you know, just idle inactivity with a bunch of loser friends. Yeah. That's basically uh, how I remember like 1998 to 2007, I met my wife. Sure. Uh, and just, you know, sitting around being an angry, angry nerd. Yeah. Well, it feels like that's that period that you're like still kind of wet clay. You're other fine people and you feel like you get belong somewhere or yeah, I'm just wandering. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. And I guess at that time I, you know, moved from middle school to high school to NYU. Hmm. So I was just around but you, you said like uh, you just always knew you wanted to just make movies and then you found this discovered making videos in heavy metal. What was like the first thing you made? Um I took a, like a video production class in uh, ninth grade. Oh well. Wow. That my school offered. That's cool. Yeah, they had a TV studio in the basement where all these classes were taught and where all the student-run TV shows that were broadcast were made. Hmm. And you know, the first assignment was probably just like fundamentals of like setting up like continuous action. Right. Like establish a hallway and film a character walking down it. Hmm. It's probably something like that. Yeah. Uh, I have very little memory of it except that the little group I made it with, um, you know, it was like four people to a little crew, used uh, the then fairly new song, like My Name is Slim Shady or whatever. Sure. That was like the song that was voted as like the piece for this entire thing of a guy that like, you know, fell asleep in one class, woke up in the next class was, and then had to like run to that class. And it was just like shots of him running down the hallway mm-hmm. while... My name is Slim Shady. Just played for no just reason. Making a mini music video. I have no reason whatsoever. Just yeah. like this guy running to his next class with this song that people were just freaking out about. Well, that's, uh, that, I, that's like the first thing I can like. I have a clear memory of, of making hmm. that and filming an elementary school talent show as like my you know proving myself to the news crew that like I'll do anything. Oh wow, that's cool. Do you think um, how much of uh, uh, those kind of feelings I mean I kind of want to ask this question but like the feelings of like feeling isolated to some degree or uh, feeling like Ricky J a little bit like play into because that's like definitely the color wheel Scotty J Scotty J sorry Ricky J is also Ricky J, a person he's in the same yeah. I was like no he's just, he's just editing just and shooting yeah. um, uh, play into like the things that you want to write because it also feels like there's such like a strong aesthetic like listen up Philip is just like so autumnal and brown is it like is you or do you want to like oftentimes like create play homage to a thing like a particular era or a thing that you like yeah I mean I just you know I grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. and you know in the 90s and nothing makes more aesthetic sense to me than the way things look growing up right like your 1991 apartment yeah and like mirrors and carpets and you know Blinds. Mm-hmm. I never see blinds anymore. No, that's all this place has is mirror carpet and blinds. Yeah, so it's just like aesthetics like this make perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, this isn't some attempt to live in that world still. But uh, I certainly don't remember like taking stock of it during that time. Right. But I, I feel like it all just kind of, you know, I just vastly prefer those things. Nice. I vastly prefer the tweeds and corduroys and sweaters of Listen Up Phillips to the right. like insufferable heat of being in Los Angeles. Sure. Um, and you know it's just like the fact that it's like August tomorrow or almost is, mm-hmm. just means it's almost September which means that summer is basically over and oh thank god we're close to fall I'll be home and this weather will be in the past and yeah, yeah just uh, all my good memories are just like it being cold out I have like no all my memories in the summer terrible things happening at camp or at this stupid boogie nights party mm-hmm. and all my memories in the fall are like looking forward to Hanukkah and it just getting colder and Halloween and like we had that one Beastie Boys shirt. That was pretty good. Yeah, well, that was like, you know, the end of spring when, uh-huh. when summer started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, the, I mean, that was the Hello Nasty summer. So that was like a very positive summer where they toured a lot. I got yeah. to see them a bunch of times. But, um, yeah, that's like a rare silver lining of summer. 
seeing a band. Well, I mean, just that summer, the hell of the summer right. of Hello Nasty, which came out on my birthday, which was also a very exciting thing. Wait, when's your birthday? July fourteenth. Okay, I thought it came out earlier. I remember listening to it at the. I remember, I guess, Intergalactic. Intergalactic had been out yeah. since around. It had just come out at this concert, and right. it was you know. Yeah, because I remember that. I remember driving like towards because that was my. It was 98? Yeah, it was my junior yeah. year. I remember just driving to school towards the end of the year listening to Intergalactic. I mean, it was just so good. And yeah. then it was just such an exciting omen of what that album was going to be. Yeah. So that was a great summer. Um, I mean, but otherwise, all my positive memories are like, oh, it's fall and winter. Right. And even spring is fine. But you just, you like the, uh, the winding down of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess so. That's interesting. Um, this is a question that I tend to ask everybody, and it's, I don't know, it's harder to distill here, but, like, what would, what's advice for, like, somebody who finds themselves in, like, a demoralizing, embarrassing situation like that, especially, like, in an egg? I feel like there's a, that kind of level of embarrassment never, like, leaves you a little bit. Like, every time I, I drive by, like, a, a, a bus full of, like, a, school kids, and I hear, like, a big burst of laughter, my immediate reaction is, like, what the fuck? What are you laughing at me for? Right. And, like, I'm in a car. I thought you were going to say that you know there's a kid on that bus who's being scarred for life. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm more selfish. I'm Got just thinking, it. like, if I hear laughter, I assume that, like, it's probably something about me. Yeah. Interesting. Way um, more narcissistic. Not, not empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like... So much of this is just, I mean, like, to me, the, the modern equivalent of this, which still happens all the time, is, like, I'm waiting to do a Q&A at a movie screening, and people don't, I didn't introduce the movie, so they don't know that I'm the director, and they're walking out saying how bad the movie was before the Q&A starts. Oh, man. And, like, you know, I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, obviously, less and less. But, you know. What is, is there something, like, a little bit gratifying? Is that interesting? Like, oh, I can actually get a, a um, an honest... Or is it just like, I mean, this I was, hurts, I worked hard on this. I was super into, like, in my first couple of movies being like, yeah, fuck it. Like, mm-hmm. if people don't get mad, then it's not even worth it, man. Right. Like, you know, yeah, of course, like, I, if people weren't leaving this movie saying it was, they hated it, then I would have failed. And now it's just like, go oh, fuck yourselves. Like, yeah. why did you stay? Like, who gives a shit about you? Yeah, you know he's forcing you to stay here. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it used to be such a bad word. It's like, if everyone loves something, then it fucking sucks. Mm. I'm so glad that people can walk out of this and be so angry. And now it's like, now it's just like, well, the movie's better than you are. Yeah. So, like, get the fuck out of here. And, like, also, like, why did you stay until the end? Like, you knew the director's going to be here. And, like, why are you talking about this now? Like, get the fuck out of the theater. Have some social grace. Yeah. So I feel like that happens a lot. And I don't know. It's just like... What can you do? Like, what is the advice? It's like, I don't know, just like <laughs> unleash this same level of shittiness upon someone else. Like, I'm sure that's what most people do. Sure. And like a cycle of abuse. So then it's like, well, what else do you do? Just like keep it all inside and feel shitty all the time? Like, uh-huh. I don't know. Just laugh at yourself. Like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I feel like these are all viable They're things. all options. But it's just like, I don't know. Like, I don't give a shit about these people. And I don't give a shit about this girl, Susie. And, like, I don't give a shit about this girl at camp. And, like, you know, I, like, my advice is, like, just be materialistic about it. And be right. like, you know, fuck you guys. I've got, like, my career and, like, all this money from doing what I love. Yeah. And you're a fucking nothing. So, like, well, is okay, there, you know. Is there a little something, like, when that shit happens? Like, I fucking made something. Well, of even course. If you, even if you don't like it, I fucking did it. What are you doing? Yeah. That's a huge part of it also. But it's just, like. Because it's so much easier to, like be a critic and everything is theoretical sure I mean it's certainly easier for me to feel this way now that I actually do make a living doing this right I guess one of my first couple of movies were around that I was like scraping you know sure any opportunity together to get a little bit of money now it's more just like well I actually just do this for a living I'm like yeah. the one out of 99 people mm-hmm. that actually can pick this field and so you're giving yourself they, it, you're way more it's a way higher member than that yeah so I feel like you know that's not good advice that only works if that's true for you right. but there's something else like that that you can materialistically latch onto as being like well I have this and you don't right. so what I, I mean this again go back this is like a punch drug love thing where he's like yeah. I have love in my life and, yeah. and you'll never understand that and I, I will beat you to the ground yeah it's just like uh, so yeah like that's the advice it's just like well I have this and you don't and like you know I just took 90 minutes of your time and threw it in the shitter and you'll never take 90 minutes of my time yeah. so like who cares? 
And the huh. advice is like, uh, ultimately, ultimately, you just have to. I have to feel like I'll squash these people. And like, right. ultimately, like ultimately, it just has to be like somehow, someday, somewhere, this girl takes her like fourth child that she's had by the age of thirty-five to go see Christopher Robin and sees my name and is like, fuck. Yeah. God damn it. I went to high school with that guy. Well, that's gonna feel like a that's a, like a big fuel, right? Yeah, that's really all I've got. Yeah. Is that like but somehow you, you seem like oh, you seem like weirdly like that level. That's like a lot of confidence. Yeah, well, it's also you, like twinged with anger, but that's a lot of confidence in there. Yeah, but like it's just a process that instills confidence. Right. Like, sure, like a lot of people can make things, and a lot of things can do well, and a lot of things can be well received. But like, the confidence of knowing that like people who have been shitty to me for my entire life will take their kids to see a movie that they don't know that I wrote and probably mm-hmm. won't even put it together when they see the credits right. is it's all I need it helps yeah. me sleep at night it's totally fine and just even like you know like just bullshit exes and like just people that like never had the faith and like you know yeah, it's just like they just have to know and I don't even want them to email me when they find out I just want them to go home and feel fucking terrible for the rest of that day and like you know, like, if some of these people, like, are exes who I don't talk to, which is all of them, um, like, if they're just, like, flipping on Netflix and they mm-hmm. see Queen of Earth, I just have to believe that they feel fucking terrible about themselves for the rest of the day. Because if they don't, then, like, my understanding of them for the time I did know them is also wrong. Right. Where it's like you're doing something stupid no one succeeds at what you do right and then they're just like oh what's this Elizabeth Moss movie who made wait that fucking Alex made this like I haven't talked to him in years like I can't believe he's doing that or like, do, you, do you find like those instances where people reach out like holy shit man and like trying to yeah but I mean those are always history yeah but I mean those are people that are like just trying to say something nice or uh, or get something from me more more often right um not that I have anything to give, which is the irony, but of course they assume that I do. Right. Or like, yeah, I mean, it's just the only thing that's like kind of a silver lining and this has gone from usually like sad, embarrassing things into like just deep rage and, no, dis- no, no. and disappointment. But well, like, but I think they're all, kind of, they're all kind of related a little bit, right? It has to be a system of checks and balances in the world where like somehow these things cross people's paths and there's just like some sense later of like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, that's that thing. And like, there's this guy um, who I've just met in passing, but he's like, you know, a very old storied kind of, you know, sitcom comedy writer. Like, has, you know, had shows and just like is one of those guys who's always like one of the smartest, funniest guys in the room. Jerry Seinfeld? That's the one, yeah. Cool, yeah, I've heard. Uh, he's pretty chill. Uh, but he, when he was in college, he had like a professor who, like a writing professor, was like, you're in front of the whole class, like, this is just not for you, man. Just don't do this. Mm-hmm. Give, this is, you're bad at this. Give up. Don't do this. I'm giving you great advice here. Don't fucking do it. And just like just ripped into him and embarrassed him from the entire class. And every year he uh, sends that guy a photocopy of his tax returns. Interesting. And just like I think that's just like the one thing that like spurns him on. Like that's the horse. That's the seed biscuit that keeps him fucking running. Yeah, it's weird the the impact that stuff like that can have. Um, just because it's fun to. Uh, like you know do donuts in someone's front lawn while giving them a middle finger yeah sure metaphorically yeah or in this guy's case perhaps borderline literally yeah um yeah I mean I wouldn't want to send my tax returns to any of these people because they probably (laughs) all do make more money than me yeah if if these people just work in you know like finance or some other bullshit profession um yeah I mean they probably are making but they also work a lot harder than me (laughs) they also have to go to work every day yeah i can just sit at home with all of my pooh bear toys and just like stare out the window and think stare out the window and think about honey yeah so like yeah i I probably make about the same and i probably work 10 percent as hard as that's also interesting writing winnie the pooh movie you like kind of transformed into winnie the pooh just like yeah well i got the job because i basically already felt like it yeah and i related so deeply to the character um, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. Have you ever had the inverse experience of what you just described of the of like uh, Q and A people not knowing who you are and like just hearing like, really interesting kind of bon mots or like criticism or like glowing kind of praise and like oh fuck that's really nice. No, I don't think that ever happens to anybody. No. Okay. If people have that, they'll save it for when you're on stage. Right. They'll raise their hand and say something. Right. I guess, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like isn't a, that interesting that like you only like are exposed to like the negative. Yeah. Well, it's just like a sick world full of negativity and people refuse to accept that. And 
even you like nurturing a conversation of sadness and frustration and hostility and you know whatever pain people have gone through is like so obviously more what people need to think about Mm -hmm. in a world that is like just unambiguously full of hate and sadness and like people's refusal to grapple with those things is obviously why society's gotten to the point that it has because people believe that hate occupies like just hate and fear and embarrassment and confusion which I would say at the least occupy 51% of everybody's brain Mm -hmm. people think they occupy like 30% and that's not true they have at least a majority maybe more and like just yeah uh, shame and uh, loss and just like those are the only things people feel like if happiness comes through it's it's because of something right. it's distracting you from like the sadness that people are just generally walking around with this is just so obvious to me and uh, and it's just like yeah you can't ignore it like the fact that all these people are walking around feeling sad and confused and humiliated and mm-hmm. disappointed and lost and hopeless like and the only people who don't feel that way are people who don't think well, that's true. But I also think it's interesting that that is such a universal, like, uh, shame or just, I guess, isolation more than anything. Because all those, all, those, all those feelings are so incredibly universal. But I think that part of the reason I want to do this, I want to talk, I'd like to do this, is because people don't talk about that shit. Like, people don't talk about, like, feeling like I want to, like, when somebody says something negative about me, like, my instinct is like, fuck you, I'm doing things better. Right. Well, Because, like, people don't admit that a lot. Because, like, well, yeah. oh, that feels like maybe that's a little bit uh, a taboo thing to say. But it's, it's very earnest and also, I think, universal. It's it's true. And real heroes embrace it. Like, your Vincent Gallows do it. Sure. When you're Kenneth Lonergan and you're about to win an Oscar and you write an op-ed telling a college kid to go fuck himself, mm-hmm. then you're the king. Like, yeah. That, to me, is, like, literally the height of accomplishment. I would rather be in a position to do that than have the Oscar. Right. To be in a position to tell a college newspaper that you're a dumb shit and you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's the height of accomplishment to me. And when a guy like that just throws it all out there and it's yeah. just like, what more could you want yeah. than to be that guy? Sure, well, he's going to get an Oscar and his career is now, you know, even more established than it already is. But he's still the guy who's like, listen, you 19-year-old piece of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. And also, who are you to throw lob shit at me? You've done nothing in your life. Yeah, well, I mean, he said that. Yeah. And that's what's amazing. And then everyone's just like, why does this like guy who's like successful take the time out to do this? It's like, because it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine how good it felt for him to... Oh, it worked so hard to get to this place. Yeah, and you're nothing. You I... never will be. Yeah. And yeah, someday it'll be a footnote that you were the kid that I one day wrote this note to. I mean, this right. is like basically what... Uh, Jason says, listen up, Philip, where it's like yeah. the most interesting thing about you is that you knew me one day. Uh, Lonergan's basically like firing on all cylinders, and I love stuff like that, or like these insane TJ Miller interviews that he's yeah. giving now. It's like hero stuff. Like, everyone's yeah, those like, are, those are fun. It's great. It's just like saying all the things that uh, generally people want to hear. And I'm just so compelled by that. That's why I enjoy listening to friends of mine on podcasts because mm-hmm. it's a great way to hear them without having to really pull it out of them. Right. And, uh, get to hear things that they wouldn't say otherwise but I just am so compelled by like whatever the thing is that you never know like here's like here's a stupid example that like is so obvious but like like it does it like it bothers me and I don't care that much about this and I'm not someone who follows this with like an emotional slant Mm -hmm. but like it bothers me that we like will be alive for many more decades Mm -hmm. and we will never know the truth of what Obama felt like when he had to watch when he had to hand the keys of the White House over. Oh yeah, you'll never know the truth, which is probably just like it was the worst fucking experience of my life. Looking that guy in the face and giving him the keys to my house was the shittiest thing, and it made me feel like I'd accomplished nothing. And I fucking hate everyone in the world that made this happen. You'll never know that. Like that is the truth. It could be, or it also could be like, ah, you dumb idiots. Man, well, good luck. One way or the like, other. One way or the other. You guys I mean, are fucked. One way or the other. I'm gonna go kiteboarding. One way or the other, it's a fascinating thing that we'll never know. Right. And I'm just like, I'm more interested in like whatever the thing is that you know you'll never actually hear, which is like, what did you really think of that? Like, there's you know maybe a hundred people that are close enough to someone to get that information. Right. Where it's like, seriously though, like you're like. You can't, you can't answer honestly because of this or that. But, like, your friends were having a drink. I haven't seen, like, seriously, like, what would you feel about yeah. that? And, like, it just annoys me that you'll never know the truth about things like that. I care about that so much more than I care about so many other things. Not that example specifically. Sure. But just, like, 
the things that you know, like, I'll never, I will never, ever know. Like, Conan O'Brien giving the Tonight Show back to Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. Like, diplomatic about it, self-deprecating, but it's like, just, you want to just be like, seriously, like... Well, I think that's, I think you probably have a pretty solid understanding of what You do, but you want it on public record. Like, yeah. of course you have a solid, you know exactly, what, but that's the thing, you always know what these things are. Mm-hmm. It's not a mystery. But just but, say it. I want to hear you say it. I just want to. I just want to know those things. I don't want to hear the diplomatic answer. I just want to hear, publicly or privately. And this is why, like all these great celebrity memoirs used to happen, where people would be like, "Fuck it, everyone's dead. I'm writing the book." Yeah. No one really does that anymore. That, I think the most interesting ones are the ones that, like, I'm, I, I am, I go dance on all my friends' graves now, so I can say whatever I want. Yeah, I'm the last one. A lot, a lot of these people. I had to wait until all these people had passed. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I like had an affair with this woman, and like mm-hmm. this was that, and this guy was gay, and like. I love books like that and they used to be a real thing uh, just like that sort of thing where it's like sat on this for my whole life now I gotta reveal it and I don't even feel like 30 years from now people will do that anymore Right. like that whatever these things are any other example you can think of and you're just like but what did that really feel like you know like these guys getting fired off of Han Solo Yeah. it's like like come on like be honest like yeah. talk about that and it's like you can't because it'll fuck up your life but it's like seriously like talk about that well, here's a question. Okay, so like, in, what was her name? Susie Block, the, the woman wearing uh, Book Buck. Nights? Susie Buck. I'm going to send a quick text message, but I'm listening to you. Yeah, of course. Uh, is Susie, Susie Buck, is there like a part of you that a little bit respects that? Like, because she was, like, there seems to be like an interest in like, I want to see like the, uh, the, uh, the honest ugliness of people. Yeah. And like in that moment, she was being honest and ugly. It's like a little bit like, well, I got to hand it to you. You're being shitty to me. I'm, I'm sad I'm on the receiving end of that. But like, no, I guess you were kind of being what I want from people to some degree. I mean, I don't think I had that. In, in hindsight. I, yes. In hindsight, I had informed that philosophical outlook of the world. Mm-hmm. It was only through years of being routinely shit on and called a fag constantly mm-hmm. by sure. all the jocks in my high school just because I had shoulder length hair. No, but like, that's a that's a very that's clear clear cut gay stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like you know, having these dipshit jocks uh, like be like, oh, is a boy or a girl from behind me and like come up and kick me or like uh-huh. push me or something. It's just like, you know, like years of that just made me be like, I mean, like how else am I supposed to think about this? Like, right. this is such like an agonizingly miserable world that like a guy like me who just wants to keep his head down and like do whatever. Uh, these like people just are like calling me names all the time right and like this is really hurtful and insane I don't understand why you would treat someone this way unless they've done something to you in which case that makes perfect sense and I've never done anything to these guys they just picked me picked me because I have long hair right Uh, it was very odd how long that went on for Mm. Um, and because you felt like a little bit that in college as well right I mean in college it just ignored those guys they didn't make fun of us they thought we were losers we had like None of those guys said shit to us. They were probably just like, these guys are dumb assholes who are pretentious and we hate them. Right. Um, so, like, it just formed slowly. I mean, I really don't remember feeling this, like, clearly angry and aware of things for a while. Right. Until I felt, like, true disappointment in girlfriends who I thought, like, were really interesting and then turned out to just be boring and worthless. Or, like, friends who I thought were creative partners for life and then were revealed to be too lazy and not dedicated to actually make their right. goals and ambitions come true. I feel like I'm just describing listen up, Philip. But, like, you know, the movie's just full of all the things that I don't say to people. Yeah. But I would love to, so I just did the movie instead. And now, like, we talk about this and it's, like, it comes from a deep place of, like, fear of, like, what happens if you act like that? Right. And the movie's perspective is, like, well, it's the road to ruin. You can't act like that. Right. But, like, you know, talk about it with your friends or get it out in an interview and, like, just kind of have time to think about that and reflect on these feelings. Yeah. But unlike the character, you can't treat people like this. Right. You can't make a point of finding your college roommate and telling him that he's worthless and a piece of shit. Fun as that might sound. Sure. But it, must be, it must be kind of cathartic in some capacity. can't do it, so just write the scene as though and then just put it on the world and then let it change your life and then fuck that guy. <laughs> like, who knows where he's at? Well, you've done it in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, it was very peculiar. I feel like I spent a lot of time, in retrospect, it feels like wasted time investing in people and relationships that went nowhere. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like the first scene in Listen Up, Philip, where he meets his college girlfriend and points out that she always felt like he would never be anything and that she felt like what he was doing was uh, foolhardy, which he says, which is, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, like, I had that girlfriend and, like, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing would make me happier than finding her and telling her that. But, in fact, I couldn't care less. You know, like, right. the only thing that makes me happier 
than the idea of sitting her down and telling her that is the idea that I will never talk to her again. Right. Like, that's even sweeter. It's so much nicer to think that. Huh. For some reason. Because yeah. it's like, I know I don't want to, like, tell her to meet up with me and give her a pile of my movies and tell her how much she hurt me. I just want her to Well, that's know, not worth the energy, right? Not worth the energy yeah. at all. I just want her to know that I'm out there and that I've got all my Pooh Bear money mm-hmm. and that, like, I'm just doing the thing. Like, I just fucking, like, whatever. Like, whatever the thing is that seemed like the least likely thing in the world. Yeah. I'm doing that and it just like doesn't matter and I I, I mean I use the phrase Pooh Bear money a lot to describe what I live that's off of that's a great phrase yeah it's not because that's not a thing that anybody's ever saying yeah I know it's a very rare thing it's, yeah. I mean saying it like that makes it sound like I have like a giant honey pot full of money well you know why not that's, that's something to aspire to yeah I mean it's close it would be like a small souvenir honey pot yeah sure with, with what's left two and a half years later but um yeah it's like you know some people have fuck you money I've got this Pooh Bear money yeah I like this I like to say that I I mean fuck you money would be great but I just really just want to I aspire to just no thank you money like yeah. politely like oh no thanks yeah yeah Yeah. I mean it's just like these people are all out there somewhere and people can choose to believe in someone or not and I feel like that is the most painful thing and like these stories I told are just people being like no we don't like that guy's not worth it he's not worth our attention he's not worth our time right. and like for some reason my response to this was to put myself out there even more by like starting a TV show with my friends in high school mm-hmm. that we made and put our dumb faces broadcast throughout the whole town every week so that everyone who hated us could look at our faces and then like when we were at the movies could like tell us that we suck or very right. very rarely tell us they liked the show but like for whatever reason, the response to this was like, I'm going to turn myself into like a public figure mm. in my high school and become like a character. So all these people who don't like me can just fucking suck on this every Thursday right. when they turn on their TV and they have to go home from a day at school and look at my dumb face. You know, like that was for whatever reason, the instinct where it's just like, huh. yeah, you like a, you can ignore me and you can like make fun of me. But guess what? Like. You can you go home. You're gonna flip on that I'm channel. Doing this thing. Here there I, I am. am. Like you can flip the channel right off of me, but I'm still there. For a second. I'm still there in your I house. Exist. I burned my face in your retina for and for whatever for whatever reason that felt like an obvious thing to do. It's like all these guys, all these guys, all these jocks at school make fun of me and call me names. Like, so I'm just gonna like make it so that I live like out in the world somewhere too, uh, which is an odd response. But I feel like somewhere that instinct is the thing that makes people get to the point. Right. Like. I feel like the guy who doesn't have that instinct doesn't sit down in front of a studio head and be like, there's literally no one else you could hire for this job other than me. Right. And because I'm because I'm an arrogant idiot. Right. And I'm the guy who's saying that. It's like, yeah, I made this TV show because I'm an arrogant idiot. Right. And like my friends and I, who everyone thinks are stupid gay losers anyway, are going to like make a TV show where like we just like make fools of ourselves. But that's also interesting, like, yeah, you, the difference, I think, between being the insufferable, arrogant idiot and, like, also being the, uh, it's just the self-awareness to say, like, yeah, okay, I'm maybe an arrogant idiot, but I have the awareness to understand what its purpose it serves. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was cathartic, um, and, like, I've never done therapy or anything, and to me, like, the only obvious catharsis is just, like... I don't know. This just like takes the stress off of me. Right. It's just like dumb and annoying and like at that time very public. Now it's more just like measured with like a movie every couple of years. But it's just like I don't know. This is just the thing that you that I do to work through all of this. Right. Like you do that thing. So and so does this thing. So and so pays someone to talk about their problems and prescribe them things, and I just do this. Like it just gets me clear. It just like right. You know, like. Like just like takes the takes the pressure off and lets me just sort of breathe because I don't know because this is me like because I'm the guy who in high school is like I gotta make my show right. like I need to make this thing and then like the guy who now is just like I gotta make this movie and like try to put it out in the world in a way that you know as many people as possible see it and uh, you know it either works or it doesn't but right. like the fact is it's already done like you're it, executing you're taking a big swing it's already worked for me do that yeah, yeah. the rest of it's whatever but well, it, the the exorcism of these things into these projects even you know a weekly 20 minute sure high school tv show whatever purging takes place into that feels to me like the end result of all the other stuff like right the end result of like being called fat and ugly 
and being called a fag and like the end result of that is just like well I just have things to get out and I'm not a piece of shit like these people so I don't put it on others I just like uh, I like you make other people feel shitty I just create something that maybe makes other people feel happy and maybe other people don't yeah care. well it's also like seems like the manifestation of like that night at the party where you could have left but you didn't like you're just like I'm here I'm, I'm right in front yeah, of you I meant, like, you can the, say whatever you want I'm still fucking here I met the million dollar rich girl's house yeah. I want to stay in this house yeah. and hang out. I've wanted to hang out in this house for a while. Maybe yeah. that's where the cool kids hang out. Uh, question about, like, because, like, all, like, the Listen Up Philip talk and just, like, the way you're kind of talking about just, like, writing as catharsis in terms of, like, I want a, I want a character to do the things that I... You can't do in polite society, but then I can write a character who will do that. Winnie the Pooh is, like, the exact opposite of that. He's, like, this vessel for kindness and sloth, but, like, he's a very amiable lovable fluff but yeah but that's how I would aspire to be I mean obviously right. there's the Tao the Tao Poo he's sure. a very zen like character who in the perfect version of how I would live my life which is like Pooh Bear something happens and you just like tap your head and you say that's funny mm-hmm. and then you just wander off right like a great way to live like you know a barking dog can be yapping at you a person can be screaming at you you just like lean into them, look them in the eye, scratch your head, and just wander in the opposite direction. Just a very simple detachment. Yeah, like what a satisfying thing that would be to do is just kind of like look at something, furrow your brow, and then just totter off. Right. Like, uh, which I feel like is a sort of like that person will perceive it as passive behavior. But if you know why Pooh is doing it, it's like he just doesn't perceive this as a thing that's worth his attention. Right. So he just leaves. And uh, I mean, the rabbit we're just talking about Pooh now but like Rabbit obviously is a much angrier character sure. who gets a lot of that stuff out which makes him fun for me um, but yeah like in an ideal world uh, you know Pooh would just turn things around on people and I would too right. but I feel like turning them around is being like well you make fun of me so I'm going to make a TV show so that they'll look at me Right. Um, that must be why you're making fun of me because you want to go home and watch you know that's like the backwards logic yeah there's like you're making fun because there's a little bit of inherent jealousy yeah yeah it's just like a very perplexing system. I'm not saying that like my anger at these bullies in high school uh, informed poo, but it certainly shaped my desire to, at this point in my life, be in like a much more benevolent sure. place that devoid of creeps and jerks who exist only to make me feel terrible about myself. I instead can surround myself with people who are inspiring and exciting and interesting and surround myself at home with a bunch of funny animals and then, you know, just do the thing that I obviously really have always wanted to do. Right. Which is like, you know, I mean, can you argue with that if someone's like so lucky as to somehow like, you know, make that path and just kind of like get there without bothering anyone else and without harming anybody? Yeah. Like, you know, why would people be so cruel to someone who just like wanted to, uh, you know listen to punk and heavy metal and like make videos with his friends well I think the reason is because the thing you're talking about is like inherently we're all afraid and scared and a little bit angry uh yeah, yeah. I mean and when you're a kid you don't you there's no filter so you lash out as opposed to now in polite society you're not gonna find your roommate and be like fuck you yeah you're just gonna be like well I'm letting it go I'm yeah. trying to become more poo as I get older exactly like someday you'll just uh find this thing out in the world and you'll just know that I'm like sitting somewhere like throwing my brow eating a snack mm-hmm. in a Pooh Bear manner and you'll just be like oh that fucking guy like what an asshole like he's always such a dick and I'm just sitting at home with a cat and like a bag of potato chips mm-hmm. just like staring out the window trying to think of ideas mm-hmm. and it's like no that guy's not any more of a dick now than he was 20 years ago now he just like does this thing and lives quietly and like just aspires to only do do good work and like be around the right people instead of being around people who are likely to be cruel right which uh, is fascinating but now like you know there's just people will find that chance anyway critics will find an opportunity to be cruel and sure public will find an opportunity to be cruel like it's just there's it's people are so excited to be cruel yeah uh, to anybody it just doesn't make any sense it's just like there's so much hate and people refuse to acknowledge that and it's like well so I think by and large it takes more energy like it's it takes more energy to be a dick than it does to just either let something go or just be nice right that's definitely a Pooh Bear moral uh, it takes no energy to just wander off and find a snack yeah um, yeah it's just weird like yeah people are so eager to create hostility where there isn't any 
and so eager to deny hostility where there is some. Right. That seems to be the weirdest thing. The, di- the disconnect and like the unwilling to be like open and honest about what actually is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess life is cool. Cool or cruel. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it certainly can be. Yeah. But like, you know, in a situation like this, I come out here for a week, stay with friends, like catch up with people, go to my friend's house earlier, talk about his new movie, my new movie. It's like, what a nice life that is. Like, it's a great life. It's exactly the thing that like, no one has that at the bad time, although I guess your bad time was pretty recent. Um, because like I was the only one right. who had that, but now I found that guy who was the only one, and you know this girl sure. was the only one, and then eventually all those only ones have formed like an entire support system of friends and artists. Yeah, because it's shared experience is like the foundation of most relationships. Right? Yeah, and like yeah. you know, not to say that these people just like hung out in the basement of their high school, listening to SST records all the time like I did, but somehow those people didn't fit in either right. because they also were like made fun of for whatever reason yeah. or uncool or you know not attractive enough to be popular and now those people are all just like you know whatever you watch shit those people make mm-hmm. <laughs> like you dumb assholes who grow up watch movies and TV made by the people you make fun of like I remember uh, I made a movie called Joshi with Nick Kroll mm-hmm. I-, I acted and I didn't direct it and he was saying he was at some uh like Hollywood party at an agency. He said all the waiters were like just beautiful, attractive, jockey looking people. And they were just serving all these comics mm-hmm. and like just weirdos. And he said, I just looked around and was like, we won. We won. You guys don't even know that you lost. Well, there's a certain level of like fortitude it builds up. Like it's, it is like, well, life was harder for me earlier on. So now I, I have been given the tools to uh, persevere. Yeah, I'd rather um, eighth grade through 12th grade be really hard instead of uh, what you described where. But your, your, your recent stuff, I'm sure, is much more tragic than just being made fun of. You seem to have described some of this. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, and that's usual. We, that's a lot of the stuff we end up talking about. I know. I don't but, have anything like that. No, no, no. But it's like, it's all the same shit. It's like, it's, well, that was terrible and that formed something in your life. Yeah. And that led us to this. We all ended up here in the same place. Yeah, I've unfortunately not had anything quite so. Unfortunately, that's great. I mean, unfortunately for your show, unfortunately for the rest of my life. Yeah. Minus this time. But, um, yeah, I mean, just for whatever reason those things did like general tragedy and I feel like when you had Gillian on she was like crying and like Mm -hmm. very emotional stuff like you know I just nothing happens to me yeah it will eventually I'm sure I'm sure it will but fortunately it'll happen at like a time of adulthood where I'm so numb and disconnected from like (laughs) actually not knowing Uh how to process things that I'll just be like yeah, right. Caught up with me eventually. Like, you well, you'll be cool at that point. You'll nod your head and go get a snack. Yeah. 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 I mean, thinking about characters like that's a great way to contextualize personal tragedy mm-hmm. and setback, which is basically what this movie is about. Um, and the way that he sort of guides people through that. But uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, things like that seem so difficult. And I feel like they build people's character in such a strong way. I'm sure you would feel this, you know, that's something you have experienced. Sure. But I feel like my character just came from, like, that. And also, like, all the other things I haven't mentioned. Just, like, the three or four straight years of, like, agonizing failure of my first couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff just becomes part of it. Yeah. Like, none of that stuff is a tragedy. It's just annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. And I also like to... I mean, you can quantify it as failures. But it's, it's just like, well, that's just another thing that was a... Uh, um, the trial and error that was just like checking it off to get to the next yeah. the next the next level of success it's all just checking it off until I got my parking spot on the Disney lot yeah. I never had a parking spot but yeah, I was still got, you still got ushered in there it's not yeah so I was bad. occasionally allowed to park it right in front of the office I was working in which yeah, was, not bad. if there was no if there was an empty down the lot I was able to park outside instead of on sub level 5 that's, that's, that's sub, close enough that lot sucks that sub levels are rough but that's it's close enough it's certainly closer than most people ever thought it would get to the nucleus of worldwide entertainment conglomerates well persevere yeah yeah you seem like you're trying to wrap up oh no 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 well I mean just I don't don't want to keep you here yeah I also feel I mean we haven't mentioned that we're dressed literally exactly the same yeah exactly the same Um, Jackie's you have you have more of a sneaker situation like more like a boat 
boat summer shoe. Yeah. So I see you've got you're more prepared. You're more prepared for like autumn. To me, a boat shoe is not doesn't have as many laces as that. But, yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's, it's not like a slip a on. Virtually identical mm-hmm. dress and color scheme, which is farcical if, if if this were a video. Well, I'm sure I'll take a picture for for the Instagram. Of so. both of us. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, we well, all have to work on that. Yeah. But that's good. That's good that people finally. After listening to this for two and a half hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they finally have a reference point. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, good, we we worked up to the the point where they mentioned they were dressed the same." Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's nice to I I like getting to meet people through this shit. Cool. Yeah, I'm happy to be at. Sorry, it took me four months to get this trip going. No, we're on other side, sides of the continent. It's fine. Yeah, and my, well, my you know my trips just keep sliding. I'm a busy man. Thanks, bud. Well, there you have it, gang. Another episode uh, for the books. Alex Ross Perry. Uh, Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate it. Uh, You're a busy fellow, and I appreciate you coming out and chatting on my couch on a Friday night, nonetheless. Um, Thanks so much, Alex. If you want to support that guy, you can check him out on Instagram. It's Alex Ross Perry. Also, go look at his oeuvre. His work is really great. Um, the Color Wheel, Listen Up Philip, uh, Queen of Earth, Golden Exits, uh, go check it all out. Uh, it's also great in Joshi. I've already done this part, but you should check out his work is what I'm saying. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, another episode, guys. Uh, let me say some thank yous. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. Thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for doing art and music. And thank you, dear listener, thank you for listening, for being great, for being wonderful, for being supportive, and for creating a little uh, pod community here. You guys are great, and I hope you have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you soon.